Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Gentlemen, I'm thrilled to have on today. This is really a treat because he, he does not do uh, public appearances, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very excited. His name is Joshua Volan. He's the founder and president of CIRE Partners, which is a commercial investment real estate partners. It's a large real estate company uh, based out of San Diego. And I he, he's such an inspiring young leader. The reason why it was so crucial for me to have him come on the podcast was that he represents, and you will hear this, the level of discipline and uh, emotional intelligence it takes to lead a large company and how he's gone through his process, both his entrepreneurial journey and his self-development journey and how it fuels him as a leader is something that I feel is absolutely phenomenal and fundamental for every person to hear. And so many people can talk about what you should do or you know, good advice, but few people actually walk the walk that talk the talk as someone that, you know, is in the space. And Josh is such a, a transformational and inspirational leader that I begged, borrowed, and uh, conjoled him very heavily to have him come. He's a very humble guy. Uh, to have him come out and to share on a, on a public platform like this some of the tools that he has implemented for himself, for his company, in terms of what he's done to grow, how he's been able to stay present with himself and to be able to adopt the growth mindset across the board, even against the backdrop of the current economic challenges. So he is a, a, a mentor for mentors and a leader for leaders, and it gives me great pleasure to have on Josh. And one of the things that I'm hoping you will see at this point is that we are extremely focused on living a better life. And one of the most important components of that is getting the direction and the one-on-one -on -one work that you need in order to live better. So I am a strong proponent of coaching. I do a lot of coaching myself, and I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to please do what many other people have done. Reach out. Let's have a conversation. There's no obligation to you whatsoever uh, to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And if that might not be the case, I would be thrilled to introduce you to any of the multitude of options and networks and people that I know who could provide that help. So again, please reach out via social channels, whatever it might be. I don't think I'm too hard to find. Certainly not, I hope. And, uh, and, and let me know how I could be of benefit to you. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to have on today Josh Volan, who is a dear friend of mine. I'm thrilled to have you. Josh is a, a pioneer in, in a lot of different areas, and hopefully we're going to go into that. But the reason that I was so excited to speak to Josh is that he has spent a lot of time working on himself, I would say as much or more than he has building his company. So there's a certain idea that goes out there that you know you kind of build a big company and then see what happens. But Josh is fantastic and, and very interesting for me because he spent a lot of time growing in addition to the, the work that he does. So I, I wanted to start off, if we could, with a little bit of background on you, where you come from, your entrepreneurial journey to get you where you are today. Well, thank you for having me on your amazing podcast and uh, happy to share. Uh, it's definitely a challenge for me to do this. So <laughs> happy so to share with your comfort zone. Exactly. Um, so my entrepreneurial journey, well, <clears throat> I think you got to start with what was modeled for me as a kid and growing up. And so I grew up in a household where I had a mom that, um, uh, an Asian mother <laughs> who was, uh, school was definitely a focus and had graduated from college. And I had uh, a, uh, a Russian Polish Jewish father <laughs> who grew up on the streets basically and very charismatic, but didn't graduate high school. So kind of had fire and ice coming together. Um, very introverted, very family focused, both of them very family focused. Um, but uh, my dad was definitely more of the sales outgoing uh, entrepreneur. And my mom was definitely more of the operations and uh, absolute conservative, conservative viewpoint. So uh, what I like to say is I got the best of both. Um, I was very fortunate to see both sides. Um, but we grew up, I grew up around the business. Um, in the sense, my parents had a a printing company. And so, you know, after school, things like that, 
on the weekends, always at the business, right? At the family business to help out. You know, I learned how to count with money, learned how to sort checks and organize those in order. Um, you know, at a very young age, worked in the warehouse. Uh, you know, hard work wasn't something that was told to us. It was definitely modeled. And the entrepreneurship and the kind of uh, the art of the deal, art of negotiation, uh, art of dealing with people um, and relationships was also modeled for my parents. So extremely grateful for that. Uh, I started my entrepreneurial journey, I would say in first grade <laughs> was my first, uh, first, uh, venture. Um, uh, I saved up money from practicing the piano. I get a nickel every time I practice a song, my mom would give me a sticker. I put a sticker up for every time I practiced the song, I would fill the page where you can even see the notes anymore with the stickers because I clearly had memorized the song. So I, I collected all those nickels, put them together, literally run the nickels to turn them into quarters, took all those nickels, uh, went to the bank, uh, got a roll of dimes. And at my school, my elementary school, which was a K through eight, really small school in Northern California, um, they had a pencil machine in the principal's office and they would refill the pencil machine on Tuesday mornings or whatever day of the week it was. And so I asked to get dropped off at school early, took my roll of dimes, and it was 20 cents for a pencil. And I literally just cleared out the pencil machine and put them in my Mickey Mouse pencil box. And, uh, and from there, I, I go down to recess, go, go to class. And, you know, kids come in before school. They come in at recess and they ask, you know, the front uh, administrator, hey, why is the pencil machine out of order? It's supposed to have pencils today. And they go, well, Josh Volan bought all the pencils this morning. And so kids find me on the playground. And again, this was K through eight. So kids from, you know, sixth grade, fifth grade down to kindergarten first are coming up to me and uh, asking to see the pencils. So they're showing the pencils, open my Mickey Mouse pencil box up. And they go, oh, I like this one. Can I buy this one? I'm like, absolutely. And they, they have 20 cents. I was like, no, 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 no. That one's 50 cents. Or no, I really like that one. That one's a dollar. So um, I can tell you uh, that entrepreneurial spirit was definitely alive and well. Uh, the school made a rule after that, that you can only buy two pencils at a time. <laughs> so I was like, the this is the beginning of Amazon. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got plenty of stories like that, but uh, that's the most memorable first grade type story going into, um, so going into high school and the, into college, um, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. Uh, I had an interest in um, potentially uh, foreign service or to be of service is a big part of who I, who I am, but I looked at foreign service. I looked at um, food industry, a lot of different things, but I never really had a job. I always was in a sales or independent contractor role. Um, so that was definitely uh, embedded deeply in me uh, to be my own boss. In that regard, not that I wasn't employable, it was just more the opportunity cost of effort and energy and, and things like that and, and really betting on myself. Um, and so in college, uh, I had studied abroad in Brazil for a year. I was supposed to be there for a semester. Uh, after two weeks, I said, I'm not coming home. I fell in love with the country, uh, just the amount of pride and, and the, the culture and just everything about Brazil was amazing to me. Um, but while I was there, I realized I had, since I had stayed a full year, I had one semester left to go back to college at Berkeley. And I'm sitting on the beach and, and going, how do I sit my butt on this beach and still earn money? And so I create, this is when Amazon was actually a bookstore. <laughs> Primarily, I had my friends coming down with uh, full suitcases full of books. And so I created kind of my own syllabi of, of books from anything from very introspective books of you know who I am, why why am why am I that way, to you know a business books on the on the other side, and so on the entrepreneurial piece of that, I you know I looked and I found the best three ways, and really at the time I, I really found two to make passive income uh, was was looking for durable passive income, and one was selling money, and one was real estate. Um, I forgot about the insurance or reinsurance business <laughs> at that point. But uh, so I went into real estate <clears throat> post-college and, you know, been very fortunate to build a career in that and, and very much a lifestyle in that through this amount of time. So that's the business side. Um, I guess the answer on, you asked about business. I'm happy to talk about where the introspection piece comes in. That was my next question. So take it away. Yeah. So, I mean, 
so the introspective piece, again, if you go back to the modeling of my parents, um, you know, again, this is definitely translates into how I am a parent today is there's the things that we say and the things that we do and kids are definitely more paying attention more to what we, or I think everyone pays attention to really how we are, <laughs> how we're acting or what we actually do versus what we're saying. And, and hopefully there's not a contradiction there. And so growing up, like I said, we were, we were a close family in the sense that my, it was a very family focused, uh, poured into myself and my sister, um, extended family and so forth. Um, but things that were said were, you need to love yourself before you can love anyone else. That was a mantra in my, my house for my mom. Um, and also just, uh, it was clear that my parents were kind of working on themselves through, um, they didn't have the healthiest of marriages. They ended up separating and divorcing. Um, they fought all the time as a kid. And so I think that naturally pushes, naturally pushed me inward to look at myself and how I played a role. Can I, wait, can I, can I stop for you on that? That's, that's, that's a fascinating, you're saying that you saw them model a lot of development work. Um, Was that before, during, after that whole difficult process of the dissolution of the marriage? And how did you, how did you sort of see that both they were, you know, kind of in conflict, but at the same time working on each other? A more cynical approach might look at that and say, well, if you wind up still getting divorced, what's the point of working on myself? Yeah, I, I would say that they worked on the marriage um, through counseling. And I, and I saw that as a young child. And, and then also we were brought into counseling as a family, right? So starting very, I wouldn't say very young, but, you know, call it formative years, though right of I don't I don't know when it started maybe 10 11 years old to 14 15 like on and off kind of this family counseling so we were part of that process um so not that we were forced to do it or anything it was an opportunity and and really what that it wasn't cynical because what it did for me in regards to um the counseling piece of it or the 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 therapeutic piece of that was is that it gave me a language and a tool set to express myself that couldn't be invalidated just because I was a child or a kid. Right. And that's very easy to dismiss your kids. Like, Oh, you're a kid. You just don't know you. But if you speak from your feelings and you can articulate your feelings, no one can say that your feelings are wrong because they're yours. So, I so just, that was huge. I, I'd like to restate that and see if I, if I got it, because that's, that's fantastic. A lot of times we, a as parents, we are we're almost afraid to bring our kids into this sort of you know formalized therapeutic environment because there is such a stigma. It's getting less, but I'm sure it still it still exists in a very big way. You know, okay, well if we go for therapy, there's actually a problem. Whereas you know we can just scream at each other and and that's not a problem. But you know therapy suddenly you know it's like an issue. And what what I'm hearing you say is that from a very young and formative age, you created you you were aware of and you became comfortable with the ability to express yourself in a way that was honest and kind of without fear. And I think the point is that for a lot of people, that's extremely difficult. And just like, um, you know, one of the ideas, you know, in terms of, you know, where do I fit? Am I an entrepreneur? Do I, do I work in a business? You know, and a lot of times you can sort of look back to how you were raised and sort of see what you were doing and sort of the influences in your home. And you're an amazing example of that. Also around the language of how you speak and know yourselves, sometimes people might feel, you know, like there's something wrong with them because they can't do that or it's very hard for them to do that or they haven't set that environment up. But the same thing is that, like you're saying, it's a lot of practice and a lot of tools that went into it as opposed to just, you know, you're born and being able to build a huge company and or be able to articulate yourself and really know yourself. Yeah, I wouldn't say, I, I would say there's definitely learned skills, right? There's, there's a toolkit, there's, there's a, people have the ability and we have the choice to work on, I mean, look, to work on ourselves is the, is the hardest work we can do. <laughs> I mean, it's exhausting work. It's much easier just to, to be, to be and to not work on ourselves. Um, and I, I do it constantly and to the point where a lot of friends even say, hey man, aren't you isn't that, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of pushing yourself to that next realm or keep looking at yourself? And I just said, well, that's, that's kind of counterproductive because the more I get to know myself, the more I understand, the more, the less I understand, the more I question, 
um, that's part of my life journey, right? Like that, that's part of the journey for me. Um, but it's definitely, it was definitely a learned skill in the sense of, um, tool set, some of the tool sets. I mean, some things are more natural, come more natural to people than others, obviously, and, and just being articulate. Uh, but when it comes to yourself or myself, I'll speak for myself when it comes to myself. That's where the work really, I put a lot of work in that because even the organizations I choose today, the people I surround myself with, um, the, the defining out of who I want to be and forgiving me for forgiving myself for who I was <laughs> and potentially it's sometimes who I am at times, right. Um, is really important because at the end of the day, you know, we talk about laying your head, your pillow, your head on your pillow at night, being able to sleep, looking at yourself in the mirror. I mean, all those analogies are true, right? Because we're stuck with ourselves. Like we're in our head. The amount of conversations I have in my head a day is many more than any conversation I'm having with people. So, you know, I'm, I'm really inside my own head and inside I, I'm, I'm stuck with me. And so I, I, I hopefully will love myself <laughs> and enjoy my time with myself. And so um, some of the things I, I seek out and one of the things, the best reframes of this that I saw, not a reframe, but just some of the things, even on the business development side on, on introspection was, you know, joining organizations like an entrepreneur's organization or a young president's organization or other organizations that have some type of peer group or forum setting um, is that, you know, I looked at those groups as business groups initially, right? Um, that those were, you know, networking, business development groups to help grow and scale the company. And, and very quickly, I, I had to reframe or, or relook at that. And it actually aligned that much better because those organizations were really based on the, the 360 of an entrepreneur, the 360 of a person, which is, your, you know, you've got your business, which is one facet of who we are an identity or whatever you want to call it. You've got your family and then you've got your personal, your personal, uh, you, yourself. And so if your business is not going well, you know, if your business is going well, but your family's out off kilter or your business is going well and you personally are out of whack for whatever reason, health or whatever it may be, you know, it, the overall gets affected. And so very quickly, the reframe on that was, is that, you know, the more I could understand again about myself, learning about myself, focusing and becoming a better husband, father, friend, leader, right? And with these tool sets and the communication, um, it translated back, it, it naturally rolled back into the business, right? So focusing on myself, focusing on the family, focusing on my skill sets and behaviors, right? And understanding myself better um, helped me as a lead, has helped me much, much more in my, uh, as a leader exponentially um, from those tools. So I think that a, a few points to, to maybe draw out and, and, and look at a little bit with you is if a person feels, uh, again, exactly right, th that, that there's a certain level of betting on yourself, which was a great, great you know, expression that you used, and a certain letter, level of, of grit and being able to build a large company. Um, but then what you're saying is really the work becomes, and you, you use the word, and I don't know if you, if you meant this, you said, this is the hardest thing you're going to do again, which if you think about the kind of the people and the challenges that, that someone like yourself, that, that the people that you surround yourself with are dealing with on a, on an economic level, the fact that it, this isn't easy stuff and especially whatever, you know, with the, with the world environment, but just in general, managing teams is difficult, you know, building a large business is difficult, but you're saying that the, the, the work on the self is even more difficult um, I, I wanted to go into that, but I also wanted to, to, to ask, so you're saying that if a person is able to build with themselves and they're kind of the top dog in their company, there's, they might look at an entrepreneur's organization or a YPO in terms of how do I network and grow my, my business skills, but really what they should be looking for. And instead of, you know, again, it's that idea about, do you look at therapy as an opportunity to develop skills or do you look at opportunity to say something's wrong with you? The way that you should look at an organization like that is to say, I need to surround myself for my self-development, not necessarily for my business development, because if myself and my family and the, the person is working and growing, then the only natural outcome in most cases will be that the business grows by leaps and bounds. Is that, is that a fair assessment? 
I think it's counterintuitive to some people, right? If I'm focusing on my business, I should be focusing on my business. And what are you talking about personally or family? That, that has nothing to do with my business. But I, mean, I think if you really challenge people, it has everything to do with your business, how you show up. I mean, you, unless you're the most amazing person at compartmentalizing things, I just, that, that takes a huge energy suck and toll out of me at least. That if things aren't right, personally, if I'm, if I'm feeling sick, even I know like just a little bit sick, I don't show up as my best self. And, and, and to know that about myself, that I'm easier, I have less patience. I'm easily, uh, more easily triggered, but to let my team know that, Hey, I'm not feeling great. I'm not at my highest energy right now. And so my patients are going to be low. So, Hey, just to give you that warning, like, but to, to at least know that, right. And to have studied that about myself and to, uh, and to own it. Uh, is important on how we show up, but um, to be authentic and to know ourselves, I think is a, it's empowering, it's uh, energizing versus an energy suck. The work to work on ourselves, like I talked about, and you, you said it's the hardest work. I, I absolutely believe that because it takes a tremendous amount of energy and effort to dig into the you know, it's the things that we don't, the unconscious biases, the things that we've buried very deep, the triggers, the vows we've made as kids, as, you know, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, whatever we watch. And I, I've done this. I've, I've done a lifeline of my life and the vows I made during that, those periods of time. Tell, tell I mean, me, I, 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 that's, that's, I love that. Can you dig in and maybe explain the vows that you make to yourself as a child and, and, and how that impacts you later in life? Sure. I mean, I think we learn from the things that we want to be like and the things we don't want to be like. And most of the time we make, we learn from the things we don't want to be like, <laughs> right? Um, we, we make a, a, a literally conscious or unconscious vow, meaning a, a commitment to ourselves that, and this is really goes back to, for me, like from my studies of this, it really goes back to the tribalistic lizard brain of protect myself so I can survive. You know, what's going to protect me? Um, and so they're protection mechanisms, you know, to some degree. And so what you're saying are, is like you grow up and you, you have a, you have a commitment. You don't want to be poor because you grew up amongst poverty or you don't want to be, you know, in, in, in a, in a bad marriage because you saw being in a bad marriage saying, no matter what, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, just work until I'm not broke anymore or something like that. That's a, that's a vow you might make to yourself. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, correct. I mean, that, that's, that would, those are some of those things. Like I'm not going to be this way. I don't want to be like my dad. And these three things, right? I'm not going to do that. And then you end up doing that as a dad because you have perspective and it just the modeling was much greater than the discussion or the viewpoint. And you just get so mad at yourself or you get so mad when you're around your parents. Like that, that was kind of the, also the eye opener for me is, you know, for how articulate and how much I communicated. And there was a lot of things that came out of childhood that I was just like, wow, why am I? you know, I'm on the phone with my mom or my dad or, 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 you know, for whatever reason. And something they say just sets me off and I just get so upset and I'm about to start yelling at them or I just want to hang up. And what's that about? And then I get off the phone and I just want to call them back and apologize because I don't even know where that came from. And so it was enough of those for me <laughs> to be around them or to avoid being around them in some way. And I love my parents <laughs> was like, is it them or is it me? Like I, I, I want to really figure that out. And so that that's, can I, can I, st I, can I stop you? Because I, I just want to, I want to say it out very clearly what, what I'm hearing and just confirm that with you, because I think that that's, that's such a phenomenal uh, a piece. So you're saying that there's how you want to be right. I want to show up like this. I want to do whatever. And then when you get in the experience, what you said was that a lot of times the modeling is a lot stronger than all of the ideas you wanted. So, I always give the example, I read every marriage book, not every, but a lot of them before I got married. And I'm like, this is easy, basic, like what kind of an idiot has to be told, don't yell at your wife. And then I get married and I'm like, I, I, I grew up in a divorce home also. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's how you communicate effectively, right? By yelling. And then you're like, but then the interesting thing is when it comes down to what you want versus what you've seen growing up or sort of how you're developed, what happens when there's that, that tremendous schism is that on top of that comes the element of shame or frustration, which is, geez, why the hell aren't I more evolved than this kind of a thing? And so then you, you are behaving in a way that it's out of alignment with what you want, and then you cover it over with a thick amount of shame, frustration, or desperation. Is that kind of accurate for what the experience is yeah, like? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, right. It's that voice in our heads going, you know, better. There's a rational and an emotional reaction to the situation. And as much as you, it's just, again, that behavior or that, that you just, the tool set is not there, right? It wasn't modeled. Right. And so that's one of those opportunities for a rewiring and a learned behavior. And the thing I always say is who I was to protect myself, who I was is not who I am today. The skills I had before, the tools I needed before to survive are not the same tools I need today. That, that might not be the truth, right? Like some of the things, I, some of the mechanisms, I guess, or the, the, the things I use to get through the day as a kid are not the same things I need to do today and not the things I want to do today to do that. And, and so, uh, and then, Anyway, that's just something well, I, no, I, I you know. So, so I, I, that, that's a second piece that I think is absolutely phenomenal, which is that, and, and one of the main reasons why I was really excited to have you on as a guest, and you, and you can speak this out in practical terms in, in your life. One of the biggest challenges that I see amongst the entrepreneur crowd that, that I know, that, that, that you know, is that there's a certain level I don't want to call it a fear, but like when you look at, you know, like we had a couple of, you know, we had, we had a great run or we had a couple of great runs, but then there's this, this fear that something's going to hit or in some cases now, like things have hit. And all of a sudden there's this panic. There's this terror that, you know, someone's going to take my security blanket away that, you know, I can watch my everything fall around and then I'll just be destitute and, and we're going to be living, you know, the streets of San Diego is not so, so bad, but you know what I'm saying? You know, but th this, and, and what I'm hearing you say is that, the ability to develop enough confidence in yourself to say that I can evolve or that ultimately I am the asset that's not going to fall apart, not my company. I can, I have the skill set. It's not like I got lucky a few times or once and I'm going to collapse, but rather being able to disassociate yourself from the work and see that just like I had certain skill sets, which allowed me to achieve a certain level of success, I can maintain those skill sets and then bring in new skill sets as I face new challenges that come my way. Yeah, I mean, the common thing I tell my team and something that differentiates my company culture is that <clears throat> what I tell people is that you need to be, that what we do great at as a company and individually is that we find comfort in the discomfort of growth. We find comfort in the discomfort of change. Right. So the, cha the change, the uncertainty, all those things, those are consistent and constant. It doesn't matter if it's a pandemic or if it's, you know, the market moves up and down or, you know, whatever, a new product type, whatever it may be, a new service. It's something we might not have done before or experienced before, but having that comfort of going, hey, there's been lots of situations in my life where I haven't done this before, haven't seen it before, but we, we figured it out, we were okay, and really putting into terms of, uh, I guess, a, a quick frame or lens of knowing that at the end of the day, what are our needs versus our wants too? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, grad, there's a lot of things that go into that, but yeah, finding, finding that comfort in ourselves to trust ourselves, to have the skills to overcome whatever it is. And uh, a big piece of that though, I think is and for me, and something I, I constantly work on is letting go of trying to control things that are not within my control. Because the more I grasp onto those is when I fight those things, when I'm trying to control how you behave, Jacob, or someone else behaves, that's when I get in a tailspin because it's clearly, I can't control that. I can control how I react to how people are acting. I can control my behaviors, I can control my spectrum, my realm there. I can put myself, I can put the situ, I can frame a situation out right the best possible, but at the end of the day, there's certain things I just can't control, right? And so um, that's when I would say there's the biggest friction there and, and growth opportunities uh, to constantly go back and forth on the ebb and flow of my evolution at least. Well, <laughs> um, I, can, we, can we look at that? Because I, I think that that, with, with just the current challenge that we're looking at in the economy, um, what I'm seeing, and I'm not sure if this is the same with you, is that there are people, again, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty in just about every industry. Some industries more than, than less. Sometimes the ones that were the most stable are now the most, you know, uh, uh, up in the air. Um, but 
when when you're looking and you're speaking to people in your in your circles how we deal with uncertainty it doesn't really matter in a lot of ways again that that's why i think in a lot of ways that the pandemic has been so fascinating as a study which is it throws everyone in uncertainty and suddenly we're all kind of in the same boat and are you seeing that there's a a real differentiator between people that are okay with this the, the, with the lack of uh, with the lack of certainty and the people that are actually like really freaking out do you do you see that and how do you attribute or what kind of uh, advice do you do you give or do you find yourself wishing that people had if they are the kind of person that didn't have the benefit of kind of that culture that you built in your company which is where you know we're comfortable when things are uncomfortable but really finding themselves like freaking out at the at, at what the future looks like yeah and to be clear my team still freaks out i still freak out right like it's i guess it goes back to what i i talk about of who we were is not who we are and not who we're, who we're going to be, you know, there's this morning process that I'm seeing in this and, and, and big change, right? Mor morning M-O-U-R, not M-O-R-N. Yeah, not morning like good morning, but morning and like, you know, sadness and, and lament. Sadness in the past, yes. Of the totally. past. And, right. and, there's, and, and talking to friends and talking to colleagues, talking to my circles. And just, I mean, it's empowering and exhausting, right? Because there's so much emotion behind it. And the main emotion is, that comes across first is this fear, this fear of the unknown, right? The uncertainty. And, and then really that fear is what I decide, when I can distill it down, it turns into a sadness and this lament and this mourning of the past. You know, I can't wait for it to be normal again. So well, well, hold on a second. So are you saying everything's going to be the same, how it was, right? Um, or is it going to be a new normal? Are we going to have a new normal? And so it's that lamenting the morning of the passing and, and to be able to grieve that and let go of certain things of that and let go of that control of trying to get back to that and to then embrace in the acceptance piece of the grief process, right? Of, you know, this may be a new normal and is, and what are the joys of that? What are the great things about that? What, what are the opportunities in that, right? Of how this new normal is. And, and that acceptance. So, I mean, I think it, it, the yeah. same working on ourselves is the same looking at the situation we're in on the uncertainty piece of, you know, the, not the quicker because we need to experience it. We need to feel it. We don't want to compartmentalize it either, right? To truly give the feeling the name that, it, you know, you and I have talked about this, to truly name the feeling and to truly sit in, if it's sadness, sit in the sadness. Make sure you can pick yourself up out of the sadness and, and get out of that. And there's a lot of tools I use to do that too, but um, but it's moving through that continuum and you, we might bounce back and forth through it. Like I've done it. I've had days where I'm a high green and days I'm red, you know, like it's in, in the same day in the, in the same hour. Right. But it's, it's being able to, to have that grit, that resilience, the mindset, uh, the gratitude mindset to come out of that and have acceptance and gratitude to go, Hey, it's okay. I'm still me, you know? And and I think the challenging times that we're in right now, and this is not going to be the last, it's not the first, it's not the last challenging time we'll ever face. These are the times that we really get to define out and truly live out who we are, right? How we show up. And, and so that's, that's been the most eye-opening for me during this period of time is seeing people. Watching people in that. In that watching people, watching people because like I said, when I'm feeling sick or I'm stressed, my patience goes down. I know this about myself. I'm shorter in the way I communicate. I might not be as kind or caring and, you know, in that patience of having that resilience to, you know, to sugarcoat things for someone or frame it in the best light or whatever it may be for, for others and even for myself, right? Even harder on myself in those times. Go more into perfectionist state versus forgiving myself and loving myself. And so it's very interesting that this is a hyper stressful time for people, for myself included. Um, and it's an opportunity to work on how I show up and how I lead and how I, and how I can help others, right. And pour into that. And so it, it's, but to see other people, you get to see them at their best potentially right now and also their worst. And, and you and I have talked about this. I, you know, for me, I, I lean in with a lot of compassion and, and the frame and the lens I use in that is that, you know, 
this is hyper stressful. I don't know what they're going through right now. Um, uh, so, so I'm leaning in with compassion, but also it's, this, this is for all of us to take the mental notes too. We're not going to forget either. <laughs> you get to see that. And so I see that for leaders, this is our chance to really define out who we are as leaders and as companies and that's leaders in our families, that's leaders in our communities, that's leaders in our businesses, on our teams, whatever it may be. Um, can I, can I pitch this in a, in a, what I, what I, I want to, I want to see if this resonates with you. What, what I'm hearing you say is, is that there's, you know, it's funny because in a lot of ways we've, we're kind of in a pan, a post religion, ironically, as a rabbi, I'm saying that we sort of move past, you know, and we look at someone that's like totally reliant on their religion. You're like, oh, that's nice for you. You know, so, so we, we think that we've grown beyond that. But the reality, what I'm hearing you say is, if you don't want to think about it in religious terms, think about it in terms of like the first time you saw your parents were human. Or, you know, the first time you saw that, you know, like, you know, Santa Claus isn't real, or, you know, that this, this, this God that you thought was going to make all of your problems not get really bad, like bad things happen, and you have a hard time reconciling the world of today with, 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 the, with the, the comfort of your belief structures of yesterday that doesn't allow something like this to happen. So it, it, it's a, so what we're, we're seeing the, the, the suffering and the pain and the mourning that we're seeing is when there's that break that those things that I relied upon are no longer. And so that exposes a person to, I don't want to call it the, the, the randomness, but the, but the elements. It, 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 it says, you know, I thought this couldn't happen and now, now it could. And what you're saying is that the way to sort of work your way out of it, as difficult as it might be, was rather than relying on the outside, rely on the present, which is, okay, so what can I do? Who can I surround myself with? And also rely on, I guess, well, this is sort of the same thing as the present, rely on myself, not that I can accomplish anything, but rely on myself and my own confidence to be able to strategically get us to the next place. The I can just show up and do the best I can do. Is that is that sort of what you're saying is there is that the morning, yeah. but the opportunity to shift from the faith on the in the outside to the faith on yourself and what you can accomplish. Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback on that, I think it's at a time, if we all stripped ourselves down from, it's like the emperor's new clothes, right? It's like you just stripped yourself down to the bare, to your skinnies, right? You're, you're there. You took all the ex external things, the validation that you get in having a house or a car or a business or whatever it may be. What are you left with? It's your, it's you, right? So there's the outward, but at the end of the day, it's like, turn, if the outward is not, people try to fill ourselves up with all the outward things and accomplishments, accolades. Those are not bad things to, to have done those. But at the end of the day, when we lay our head down and we, for our final rest, whatever it may be, it's us. And so to turn it from outward distraction to inward introspection, that's, that's the opportunity I see in this, this time. It's, I mean, we have that every day. We have the choice every day to do that, right? But especially in this time, and I think that's what the uncomfort is for a lot. The discomfort is today for a lot of people is that they have more time with themselves than they maybe want. And they're using that time and they're distracting through Netflix and Tiger King and all these different crazy things, which is fine. Like it's coping mechanisms, right? But we're stuck with ourselves. We have a lot of time with our families right? With our, with our families, we're, we're in self, you know, quarantine with families and, and we can address the issues that are there and go inward on how we play a part in those and, and lean into that. Or, you know, again, distraction, distraction, distraction. I think that force it's to some degree, it's a forced introspection for a lot of people right now. And that's more uncomfortable than anything else. And you're saying, especially for especially for, well, not especially, but it potentially will show its head within the, the crowd of people that have been able to build, uh, build financial stability for themselves or to build a large organization, specifically because if the vows that they had made, again, going back to what you said, the vows they'd made to themselves, I don't want to be poor, I don't want to be a no name anymore, I want, you know, all that kind of stuff, they were able to invest their energy and actually see very tangible realities in, in, the, in what they had built. But then, again, like you're saying, the, the shift goes back and sort of forces a person to redirect themselves. And if they haven't done, I think this is the most important thing, if they haven't done 
the work on themselves. And they've been able to offset that work by focusing on the job or focusing on the team or focusing on the family or focusing, again, the body or whatever it might be. And then they get brought back to this. If they, like anything else, if they haven't done this and they're not experienced in this, it definitely should be very difficult. And that's why, like you're saying, you, you do want to extend compassion to those kinds of people first and foremost, because again, it's hard because it's new. Yeah, if, if, if you're, if I see this a lot and I'm not, I'm not immune to it. I mean, we all have some form of ego, right? But if the definition of who I am is what I do, right? Like in my job or whatever that is, and not who I actually am in regards to my core values and how I show up, right? That, that, that gap is where there's a lot of pain and that's where the struggle is. And I think that's where it's coming in at identity. I mean, it happens all the time. People, you know, I have so many friends. I'm building a business, I'm gonna sell the business. They sell the business and then they're just completely lost. You know, their identity was so tied to the business or even the visioning. Like you've, you've probably heard this before, right? The guy imagines himself, you know, the person imagines himself on, you know, all the success on the vision board, everything is this yacht. They did it. They're on the yacht. But what they forgot to vision is on the yacht with their family or their close friends or the people that they really wanted around them. Or right? on like the yacht, all those or on the yacht, feeling good about themselves. I mean, that's that's yeah, or, the that's the feel, biggest thing, right? Happy. Yeah. That I felt, oh, so I built this big company, and 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 I feel fulfilled, and I feel validated, and it's like, well, what if you build a company, you don't feel that way? Well, and and speaking from direct experience, I've had a I feel very grateful, very blessed. I've had a tremendous amount of relative success, right? In, in my my world, relative success, and I can tell you it is a very easy trap to get into chase horizon, right? Where you constantly move out the goalposts, you hit a goal and it's not fulfilling. And so you set another goal and, and that's the goal setting of the economic or the financial accolades for me, I can only speak for myself, just that is not fulfilling. And so again, turning it inward, it's what are those things that bring me the most joy right? That are lasting, not, not, you know, you land a big deal, right? Great. Let's move on. What's the next big deal, right? Like that's not, that doesn't last very long. For me, it doesn't last very long. It's very short term. The longer term things for me that, that motivate me, energize me and push me is when I'm able to be of service, be a leader that is making impact in let's say my business where I'm helping my teammates achieve, get to the next level, build and grow and, and, and also introspectively work on themselves and grow as humans, right? Like that, that impact is so much more lasting to be of service. You know, why I'm on in so many different, I hope I don't get signed up for more right now, but you know, so many different organizations or nonprofits or, or the, the service element is, so fulfilling, right? To, to be able to help others is selfishly one of the best gifts that I get to give myself whenever I'm a part of that. Um, and that's fulfilling. And, and so, you know, it's fun to do it with others. It's fun to be part of a team to do it, but just even interest, you know, selfishly and by myself, even like I enjoy it. And, and that's some of that inward work of recognizing the things that um, things about myself, at least, right? I, I have to, okay, so this is, I, I, just for the viewers to know, I've pushed, Josh is an unbelievably uh, humble and, and, and private person. And so <laughs> this is not coming from him. This is, I saw this and, and I'm sure many others have seen this and have, have been yelling and screaming at him that this is, this is a, a platform he has, to, he has to take because not everyone can say that they've actually, again, I, I, this whole concept of authenticity and it's like, you know, you can talk about, oh, it's not about having the big business or it's not about having the huge social media platform. And it's like, it's easy for you to talk about that if you haven't done that. But, you know, what really matters is someone who does have that and is able to give the advice of being there. So I, I want to, of course, I want to be very respectful of your time and, and, and maybe 
you know, I know that, that I, we've gone over already and I apologize, but I think this is so crucial. And if I could just have you just turn into this and say specifically, a lot of times, certainly in the process of starting your business, that I, what you just said is, you know, you're, you're chasing horizons. So that's very difficult to abandon because I'm assuming so many people in the process of building their lifestyles have become successful because they are setting ever bigger financial or impact goals for themselves. And what you're saying is that's not going to provide satisfaction. And, and most people would probably smile and say, maybe you're right, but I still have to build my company or, well, I'm different and it will provide me satisfaction. And what's kind of the undercurrent there that I'm, that I'm hearing that I'm sure everyone's asking themselves in the process of, of their, their professional growth is if I abandon setting up the horizon chasing mentality of setting bigger and bigger, ever increasing goals, will I ever be successful? Will I ever grow a company that will sort of, you know, go beyond my wildest imaginations? Or am I just going to basically accept or convince myself or lie to myself that I'm just happy lying under a bridge somewhere? Does that make sense? So like, talk to me just about that dichotomy between could you, how do you continue to grow financially and in terms of your company, if you abandon that mentality? So to be clear, I have not abandoned the mentality of setting goals. I'm a highly goal-oriented person. I set goals for myself. I mean, even in, during this time, like my, the things I can control is my health. So I've set a lot of health goals. I'm running a ton. You know, I'm probably, gonna, I hope, you know, knock on wood, I don't hurt myself trying to get to back to where I was like college sprinting or something, right? Like, so I'm very goal-oriented and I, and I don't think that's what I'm talking about is not abandoning the goal setting or that. I think it's just very easy for to get in that trap of measuring success. It's the simplest tool to measure being a success financially, right? And so what I'll leave people with is this, is that success and balance are not relative to anyone else. They're not defined by anyone else. We define what success means to us. We define what balance in our lives means to us. And at different times, they may mean different things in different seasons of our life. And what I mean by that is success of before might have been simply it, without introspection, all right, getting to, through the needs piece of the financial needs that we had versus the wants, you know, finances may have been the high, higher up on that success spectrum of definition, you know. As, as I've moved through that spectrum and gotten through what I need much more than I have much more than what I need, right? I've got a roof over my head, food on the table, you know, very, very lucky there for a very long time. And so I'm gotten through the needs piece, the other facets of success to find out and the season I'm in is you've kind of heard this is being of service and giving back and, and to, and to be a leader in my business, my family, and in my community, right? Like, and, and the balance piece of that, of where I spend my energy though, the balance I say it would change the most in regards to time allocation. But we have many resources. We have time, we have money, we have effort. We have a lot of things, relationships that we put in the balance bucket and that will shift, that can shift on a daily basis where I, look, I have to get quarterly reports out and I'm gonna help my team and I'm going to spend seven hours more in business, you know, two extra hours today on business. And so I don't get to do recess with my kids today. Like, you know, there's a shift, but again, if it's all aligning with what my why is and my purpose, what I've defined out to be, which also defines out what success means to me, then my balance of time, my resources going towards those things, I'm not in conflict. They're constantly in alignment. And so, you know, it's, I would say, Level one, you talk about black belt. <laughs> Level one and kind of the novice is defining ourselves by others and defining ourselves by the simple financial means, especially after we get through the needs piece. The black belt is we defining it out ourselves and really being anchored in a purpose and a why aligned with what success means to us and being okay with balance being out of be, balance being defined by us as well versus others saying you work too much, you spend too much time with your family, you give too much to the church or the synagogue, whatever it may be, we define that because at the end of the day, we live with ourselves. And so 
I mean, that's, and, 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 and we so do that's, that. That's what you're saying. So the idea is as you build out the 360 version of yourself, if you become the person you're going to be, what you're seeing now is that you go back into your business and everything, everything grows, but it's not growing from a place of, again, of, of lack of needs of unfulfilled vows or whatever it might be. But as you're growing, your business will reflect that because you are a better asset to run your team. That's, that's the most important point that I, that I think that, well, you've said, you've said a lot of really great stuff, but, but I think that that's the idea and being, being able to plug into yourself and how do I build out that self? That's that black belt thing that you're talking about. Ultimately you will, and you've seen this in your own experience and the experience of the people that you surround yourself by, the more um, developed the individual, the more, economically and in terms of impact and all that kind of thing, just the better off the organization the team is. Is that, is that accurate? That's what you said? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's the mindset of the fix versus the abundance or the growth mindset. Um, the, the other thing is vulnerability, right? Brene Brown said it. Lots of people said it in a lot of different ways, but vulnerability is courage. And, and you, you combine that of not knowing and, and, and okay, not knowing everything, but a, a love of learning and you apply that to yourself, that's the hard work. And, but again, at the end of the day, it's fulfilling. It, it, it absolutely is because the, when I catch myself in a trigger in the moment and I'm able to back that up and go, hold on a second, this has nothing to do with them, this is me right now, I'm reacting, this is what's going on. That's, I mean, that feels really good because again, it reminds myself how much control I do have of something I can't control, which is how I react, and my choices of how I react, which is a gift, religious or not, that's a gift from God to be able to, the, the right to choose, right? And so uh, I'm just, I'm very grateful to have the time, energy, and resources to focus on myself. And, um, and I'm, I'm not saying everyone has the, there's the a right time for that. People have to figure out for themselves on that, but it, I, I can tell you it's definitely worth the journey. Amazing. Josh, I know that you are a very private individual, but if, if anyone wanted to follow up with you, see, see where you are, see the kind of uh, the work that you do, is there a, is there a platform for that? You're like, <laughs> yeah. <a> challenge. <laughs> yeah. Right? We're working, um, working on it. Uh, there's LinkedIn. not a platform for that. I mean, look, yeah, ping me on LinkedIn. Right. Uh, my, I'll give you my personal email. It's my first and last name. So Joshua Volen, Vies and Victor, O-L-E-N at gmail.com. Beautiful. Uh, it's less cluttered than my, my business email. So feel free to reach out. If I can be of service, if I can share anything with you, I'm happy to give you any tools, resources I have, including Jacob. Oh, it's a, it's a great resource I lean on. So thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I appreciate the time so much. The, the wisdom, everything, it's, it's, really, it's really phenomenal. Thank you. Well, thank you. You guys have a beautiful day. Thank you. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.